0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Rise and shine. Welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins. Let's get straight into it. Lots of people come to me and ask, does the East Coast market, what's happening in Sydney and Melbourne have any effect on what's going on in Western Australia? Uh, there are lots of points to touch on this, so we're going to get Mike Valletta in from CBRE to help us out. Mike, thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, Trent. A very interesting
1: topic, particularly those people that have been overreached recently and they've seen probably 12 months ago the hype of the Sydney market and more recently the Melbourne market. It was crazy. Absolutely. Unsustainable and much like we said back in 2006 to 2008 mm. in Perth and a few little patches in between.
0: For me, Mike, you know, as much as we are Australians, if you look at it from an economic t- standpoint and you just call us economy X and the East Coast economy Y, I see hardly any connection. The only connection being which can have positive and negative effects on us that are totally unrelated to where we are in our market, the effects of the Reserve Bank, mm-hmm. that being a mainstay. Otherwise, our economy is totally different to the East Coast. Our income is higher than everyone else. However, our market is lower right now because we've got different jobs effects. Whilst on the East Coast, they've all had massive gains and totally different market forces affecting them at different times to what we do, even though we're all Australians.
1: Yep, which draws us to the cash rate. It's Mm. the same across the country. And banks, obviously, when they move rates, they move them across the country. Nationally, yeah. Correct. And and you'd almost suggest that at the rabbit-proof fence, we have a different rate or different drivers or, or different incentives, which would be handy. Because I guess over the course of the next few years, we'll continue to see... Negative press about the residential market, and they were referring to the residential market going down. Nationally. Correct. Unfortunately, we're captured in that sort of negative press.
0: And we have nothing to do with it. I, all the time, I'm on Facebook, and I see the domain-sponsored articles or the realestate.com-sponsored articles, and they say price is down. It doesn't say where the price is down, but what it means is nationally prices are down. It has nothing to do with Western Australia. But it is a scaremongering factor in that, yes, it's correct that on average, with Sydney and Melbourne being the biggest players, nationally our prices are down. But that doesn't have anything to do with where our market is or is going. Our prices may have gone up, they may have gone down. But we need to really start focusing on, I think, Western Australia as its own separate economy, especially when it comes to the real estate market.
1: Yeah, Trent, it's interesting. At the peak of their markets in Sydney and Melbourne probably accounted for almost 50% of all finance transactions in terms of mortgages. Yeah. So you could understand why that's so and why the reports are on the Australian market. It is very skewed in opinions. And the other interesting thing is investors are now more global, and this has been the case in commercial property for some time. But in recent years, much more evident in residential property between syndications, property spruikers, investors, they will now look nationally... And we always talk about the affordability issue in terms of Western Australia or Perth particularly is now much more affordable. Oh, it's the most affordable now, officially. Correct, it is. So that will be a driver, there's no doubt, but that together with other particular demand drivers like population growth and employment and wage growth Mm. uh, mixed together with obviously falling vacancies rates i I think will all contribute to the growth of our market over the next period
0: and that is totally irrelevant to what's going on in melbourne and sydney our growth is as you said underpinned as always by population growth which is a direct product of employment necessity which comes from our own mining industry, really. Uh, Everything that is invested in Perth is a product of our next boom or our next boom and bust, and that's what we see there. Whether the financial market in Sydney or Melbourne or the property market or the construction market in Sydney or Melbourne is going well or not, has no effect on our outcomes, on our bottom line, on our hip pocket. I think we've particularly been
1: a one-trick pony for a long time around our resources, which you touched mm, on, mm. and probably under-resourced in terms of tourism, foreign investment, or even foreign students, for that As matter. a
0: foundation of our value, for sure. Yeah,
1: that's probably what something we've learned over the course of the last cycle, that we need to invest in, you know, getting tourists into pe into A broader earth. base. Correct. We need a much broader base to reduce the volatility on our residential market.
0: We're probably not going to see those massive swings up again, like we saw in uh, the last boom cycle. But hopefully, with the broadening of our market income base, we won't have as deep a, a softening as we've had in the last three years next time either.
1: Absolutely. And I was just sort of reading the other day, the QBE National Housing Outlook for 2018 to 2021, Yep, which does reflect that Sydney and Melbourne values over that period will fall as you would expect it probably hasn't indicated a great fall it has indicated that Perth will rise as we would expect Mm. it to not significant but as you touched on certainly not at those rates we saw in the last particular boom if you go back to our peak in probably 06 to 08 and more recently in the middle of 2014 Mm. so we would like to think they're not going to be those highs and lows that we experienced in the past and I'm referring to the Perth metropolitan area here Mm. not to the um Pilbara yep correct um but Obviously, the next move I would like to think is an upward movement. Just bear in mind, I think anything sort of probably in the outer suburbs will probably suffer some a little bit of oversupply issues. So we'll still see some softening conditions over the course of the next 12 months in that space.
0: Prices aren't going to go up because they've been down. That's not how it works. It's not a circle where if it was up, now it's down and then it's back up again. There needs to be, and there always is, fundamental market factors as to why it's down and that was because there was a massive overzealous supply of property in the market and the land and that's why it's been down and it stayed down for a long time and the reason it will go up in the future would be because that supply has dried up over time because the builders haven't got any work and there is an increase in demand coming from an increase in population which comes from an increase in projects Public, private projects. That's it. So your companies like QBE are obviously putting through these forecasts, not because it sounds like a good idea, but because they can see projects coming on and the need for more people. And you sort of
1: touched on it in terms of approvals have just dipped down a little bit, which is not good news for the developers or the builders. But Mm -hmm. I think from a supply side is good news in terms of retaining supply.
0: Yeah. the, the, The less supply we've got on board, the higher our prices will be. Supply doesn't just happen off its own volition. It happens as a latent reaction to demand. And the issue is there was just too much an an oversupply and overstretch on that reaction. At the same time, the demand pulled back very suddenly.
1: Yes, well, if you go back over history and you look at 2013 to 15, we had increasing approvals at significantly high rates, where we put a lot of new property into the outer suburbs. Mm. And if you sort of marry that up with population growth charts, we always seem to be missing by about 2 years yeah. as population grows we start to put new supply in 2 years later then the employment cycle changes
0: and, and they're still and,
1: building and catches us out a little bit so yeah. and that's where know, the
0: cycle comes from isn't it it's correct. just if a person came off the boat today and then had a house was built tomorrow there would never be a cycle because it would always be a perfect relationship Yeah,
1: it's difficult to sort of totally marry it up, but it's something we should get without a doubt better at. And look, based on what happened during the last Perth burn in the East Coast in recent years, I'd say, as you touched on, the number one factor which makes prices go up is population growth on the back of a strong job market.
0: Let's keep talking about that difference between Perth and the East Coast. And I want to talk in real terms going forward. What does it actually mean? We can can be theoretical till the cows come home, but let's talk about how it's going to affect our next uh, cycle. For me, I think the biggest effect is going to be the way that... At the cash rate, the Reserve Bank prices on a national level, and the way that affects Perth. So, for example, we're probably going to, in a way, benefit from continued low interest rates because of the softening of the Sydney and Melbourne market, in my opinion, which is good. That's going to be a good stimulus for people to be able to or should be able to continue to afford to invest as our market goes up. However, as we've seen, Mike, the other side of the coin on the finance side is APRA and their extreme tightening on the back of the Sydney and Melbourne rises on the way we get finance in the first place. You talk to the banks, you talk to the lent, the borrowers, you talk to the brokers, and that is one
1: of our greatest challenges. Rates are so competitive. The cost of getting money isn't great, it's very competitive mm. and affordable. However, the opportunity to get money is a real challenge. Yeah,
0: it's tough tough out there. It's never been so tight in terms of serviceability assessments.
1: And hence, obviously, decisions made on the back of our big city, Sydney and Melbourne markets, Mm. are impacting on Perth in that respect.
0: We're paying for that overzealousness in Sydney and Melbourne, unfortunately.
1: We are, and we talk about opportune times. and, And one of the great myths of property purchasing is, and you've heard it all, location, 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 but... We can throw out many examples where timing is, without a doubt, the greatest factor in terms of good investment. Oh, buying. Timing
0: is the number one factor. You could have made 25% on a development in 2015 on its numbers and suffered a 25% drop in the market and come out with donuts a year and a half later.
1: Yep, regardless of location.
0: Exactly right. Unfortunately, in Perth, that was the timing. However, if you put that strategy into Sydney at that time frame, not only would you have made 25% on your efforts, you also probably would have made 25%, 30 40% on the market. Yes, timing is, is such an... Location, let's not forget,
1: is important, but timing of your investment is extremely important, not only getting into it, but getting out of
0: it. That's the point here, I think, is understanding where each market is on that timing cycle. It's not a clock where everyone goes round and around a circle like a teddy bear. It's not mm-hmm. that. Where we're all going at the same the speed. It's more like a solar system, in my opinion, where there are some markets that move much quicker around that circle than others. You look at Hobart, for example, it probably took three cycles to do one cycle in Hobart and now it's just had its rise for the first time in probably my lifetime. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting look at the Hobart situation and what gives us great amount of confidence is that what drove the Hobart market was uh, rental vacancies fell to an all-time low and people started to then jump into buying properties. Mm. So Because no
0: one was building, because everyone forgot there was a market there.
1: Correct. And now in Perth, our vacancy in the last 18 months have dropped from high sixes. So we're starting to see some... Starting uh, to get to a
0: natural level again, aren't we? Correct.
1: We're getting closer to those levels, which will demand growth in rentals, uh, better investments, and then people jumping into the buying market.
0: And in this tight servicing situation, we don't know if the banks are going to relax a little bit in the future, but let's say they don't. There's really only a couple of ways that we're going to ever be able to afford to invest in more property than we currently are and that's obviously from increasing our income. There's only two places that we can do that. One is proposed rent which only comes from valuers like you saying yes, the rent on this property is worth more than a year ago or getting better paid jobs and that's either going to come from personal promotion or the mining industry, for example, propping those jobs up again from the undersupply of work. Interesting buying residential property. Yields are
1: important, as you you sort of touched on, but they often only sit between three and maybe high 3% for Mm. residential property. So in many respects, they're not massive drivers. Capital growth is obviously a great driver of residential investing. In That's what you want to focus on. You gearing. touched
0: on a great point there, Mike. And we're probably going a bit off topic there, but it's worth talking about is that I don't understand people that invest for positive gearing. Maybe you're making a $1,000 a month. That's 12 grand a year.
1: Yeah. Residential investing is, is difficult in terms of getting positive gearing. Although rates are very low, serviceability or servicing loans mm. isn't significant now, but obviously yields are generally very low as well. So we're all as investors in residential property looking at some capital growth. Capital
0: growth, yep. at the end of the day, positive gearing is nice, better than negative gearing, isn't yes. it? Yes. But yeah. we don't want to be having that as our strategy. The strategy always needs to be capital growth. And if the positive gearing comes in too, because we've manufactured that through a development or because we've picked a place that where the rents have gone up, that's a bonus
1: that's right we've got to add value to our investment property ie develop add value to our overall investment and we're not going to do it simply by being a passive investor backing our rental returns to earn us generally good income from residential
0: property mike thanks a lot for your time this was a really fun chat we'll have you in again, again soon thanks trent okay now we're moving on to the suburb spotlight section of our episode today and to help us out we've got mark passmore from Dianella, Dianella's number one real estate agent Mark, thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Mark, growing up in Morley, Dinella was always a bit of an aspirational suburb for me. I guess it's Morley's rich brother, rich sister, and it's got some really nice houses that I've been over to when I was a kid and thought, geez, I love this place. Uh, But it's also got a lot of diversity on the more accessible side, especially with development options coming through. Can you tell us a bit about Dinella as a history uh, when it first started? What sort of people live there and what sort of people are starting to move there now?
2: Well, mate, Dinella is much similar to Morley. A lot of the people from... Morley actually progressively moved towards Dinella. That's one of the catchment areas for Dinella investment, development and housing. So a lot of the people from Naranda, from Belkata, from right around the area seem to end up in Dinella. In fact, originally in 1958, when Dinella was established and named, that's where a lot of Europeans from inner city, Northbridge, English uh, migrants, come to Morley and to Dinella uh, in the beginning. What you're seeing is an area where the demographic would be, people that were now are now hitting their 80s and 90s have started in Dinella and still there, and now they're moving out, and younger people are moving in, and repopulating the area
0: so their grandchildren essentially are buying their backyard
2: yeah well dinella heights primary school which is one of the key reasons for dinella heights area selling is third or fourth generation of families are coming back to that school they're bringing their kids back into the area to go to that school it's one of the best in perth
0: i like the general location it's pretty accessible to the city you've got the galleria you've got Mirrabooka shopping center you're right on reed highway morley drive straight to the ocean tonkin highway uh, and as you said schools Uh, A lot of sporting locations as well.
2: It's a real family stronghold
0: for Perth, isn't it?
2: Yeah, back in the earlier days, it was voted the number one family area to live for families in Western Australia. And I'd say that's because it's got all the parklands meandering through the area, You've got beautiful natural bushlands. They've kept a lot of reserves. There's lots of bushwalks. There's bike trails through the area. It is probably one of the most beautiful areas to live. And it's also fairly safe compared to what's going on in Western Australia right now.
0: So in terms of demographic, the people that are buying off you right now, you're saying they're young families, are they young professionals. Are they buying the developed blocks or are they looking to buy the big family homes their
2: non-or-nonos used to live in? Well this is it. You're right. You you hit the nail on the head. All those things. You've got all that's happening. You've got young families coming back and repopulating, they're getting to the schools and close to the schools in safe, lovely streets. A lot of the houses are being either renovated thoroughly or pool dozed. Most people don't really like the subdivision in some of the areas like as you, you know the Dinella Heights area, which if you look at Dinella it's got a, it got a split down the middle of it. Alexander Drive is probably the the divide. I've been one to say let's rename it. Dinella on the right dinella heights on the left because it's a hill that goes right through the center of dinella and of course where do all the catholic churches end up on top of the hill mm-hmm. so what you've got is a lot of people aspiring to end up on the dress circle the st andrews the golden triangle which is near uh wa golf club
0: dinella drive sort of area yeah,
2: yeah yeah so it's it's basically right down the middle north south is yep. alexander drive right of it is all the subdivision of development and there's actually a part towards Inglewood swimming pool there, which is really, really becoming popular, which is the northern Inglewood estate, if you like to call it. That's where people are going into your, you know, between 600 and a million, maybe $1.2 million homes, and they're downsizers that are looking for smaller blocks or younger couples that are executives going that area. Then you've got the plaza. Behind the plaza is a lot of multi-story development going or plan to go through there, and subdivision. That's a, p- a prime area for people that are looking to invest or in, or live young couples, young people starting off, first home buyers investors. Then you've got the other area, which is just over near that recreation centre, which is a fantastic recreation centre. In there, young families living in that area towards, if you look at Morley Drive to the uh, southern border, Alexander to the western border, that section over there in the centre around the recreation centre is a lovely area for families to live. just a little bit less in valued than on the other side of Alexander Drive, which is called The Heights, which is between Gordon Road West Maybe you could take it down to Uregan Drive and across to Dinella Drive and back to Morley Drive. That pocket there is probably one of the most popular pockets and where the most expensive homes are sold.
0: So let's break it down into those price points. I think we're taking a natural segue into that section of the segment. Let's break Dinella up into a few pockets and we'll get some price points for a normal family home. Dinella, Morley. So the Dinella area uh, closer to Morley Galleria. What sort of price points are we talking about for a family home and maybe for a unit?
2: The thing that influences the property prices in there is the development potential of the land. The R code's really making a big effect on that area. So R25 and R30 and some R40 within the Morley Precinct, the new Morley Precinct, there's R40 to R60. and So the development potential really affects the values of those homes. So if you get a property that's a thousand square metres, for example, in an R30 zone, it's a triplex to development. So that house is then affected by the value of the land. The lower end of the market has been affected in Western Australia quite a lot. So you're probably saying a villa in that area, that's an older style villa, you could pick up for 300,000 three bedroom, two bathroom in a group, and then you go to a a brand new villa that's three bedrooms, two bathrooms, double garage, maybe in a group of three, Uh, could be up to 600 or 700,000. At a high (laughs) spec. Yeah the high spec
0: okay so let's move on to the bedford inglewood dinella the terry yep. tyzak dinella you yep. referenced it yep. it's it's yep. an aspirational area there's yep. a bit of subdivision but i'm seeing that it's more of a side-by-side two-story subdivision yep. or a higher spec yep. what are we paying in there
2: oh you, you you're paying anywhere in there from six hundred and fifty thousand for a low spec which wouldn't be the property i would put in there but a low spec property maybe closer to the commercial area and walter road mm. uh you, you're getting that and then up in the better parts of that You'd be 750 to $1.1, $1.2 would be the best.
0: Okay. Then let's move up above Alexander Drive and uh, west of Dinella Drive. Yep. What are we paying in there? There's some real big, nice houses, isn't there?
2: The interesting thing is there's an area called the Golden Triangle. That's primarily driven because of Carmel School, Sutherland Primary School and Yokine Primary and it's close to the shores for the Jewish population. So that area was predominantly driven that way, but now it's actually quite a mixed bag of people. There's lots of people getting in there. Europeans are definitely driving in there to get onto the property value. So that area near WA Golf Club is at the top of that. We just sold a property next to the highest point north of Western Australia's uh, Kings Park. The most expensive land ever sold in Dianella, sold at the top of that hill for $1,400 a square metre. You're paying for a home, a family home, down the bottom of that hill, Probably uh, an old-style home, not renovated, uh, 70s, uh, 60s, you're paying probably 600000 And as you get up the top of the hill, you're paying up to 800000 for the same house for that sort of not renovated because of the position, the land. So the land is more valuable for single residential homes. And there's big mansion's being built on that hill now.
0: And what about the area inside, Morley Drive with Dinella Drive to the west of it and uh, above being Mirabooka, so that Dinella Heights, yeah. Glantinav, all yeah. that?
2: That's driven primary by Dinella Heights Primary School. So if you, this time of the year, you put a family home to the market, you'll get every mum and dad that's wanting to get their children to that school and it's quite a lot. And the houses on the bottom end of that market are probably 600. Yeah, one story,
0: four Uh, by twos at the bottom of the hill. R20 zoning. But they can go up to what at the top?
2: So the oldest style homes renovated can go up to about 900,000. And then as you go up the top of the hill, the most expensive spot is Donella Sites. It was a development done right at the peak of that, that area near Sycamore Rise, Shannon Road, which is the original Heights area. And they, it's the most expensive home ever sold is on Longstaff Gardens. There's one being built up there now for $2.5 million. So people are bulldozing $1 million homes and building $2.5 million homes in the spot.
0: So what it tells me is there's a very large diversity in Dianella. Yeah. You've got some regular family places, but also some very aspirational areas where people enjoy the estate, I guess. Uh, let's talk development. Dianella, again, quite diverse. For me, when I'm looking at properties uh, on the development side, I can get caught out quite often and think, oh, I've got myself a winner here and realize there is no development potential in this area. And then two streets away, we've got some real development potential. So can we just nut through what sort of property land sizes would generally have in the development areas, Uh, what sort of zoning there is, what you can do with it, and what you're paying to get into that?
2: Well, what seems to be happening now is it seems to be that uh, if you look behind the plaza, there's lots of... Uh, subdivision development through there. What sort of codes are we talking? R25, R25, and so down to 300 square metres. And and so in that area there, you've got a lot of 750, 800 square metre blocks, 880. That's the area for subdivision and redevelopment.
0: So we're looking at house behind houses in that sort of area or side by side. What are people doing with that development opportunity in Dinella?
2: In that area there, because of the price of the site, say, for example, you've got to probably do front to rear subdivisions, triplex or duplexes and over towards the other side of uh, Grand Promenade towards the Inglewood border, Shore Road, that little section in the centre, is more side-by-side development. A Bit of a higher price yeah, point. As you get closer to the city, and it's the demographics are getting more like people trying to get Inglewood, Mount Lawley, can't get in there but get into Dianella, under a million, yep. into a really good home. Then you go behind the plaza, it's probably a lot of first-time buyers, a lot of people downsizing from the area from homes. that wanna get closer to the plaza shopping centre and the convenience stores and buses. So you've got more that traffic coming in there. So it's it's a younger, it's a mix, but it's probably a budget conscious area.
0: And finally, every week I ask the same question to our number one real estate agent. It's what is the median house price in your suburb? And if you had that amount of money in your pocket today to spend on a property in Dinella, what would you buy?
2: Well, I think the median price is around 500,000. It's a very difficult one, this one because you're mixing such a mixed bag of properties. That's why I was thinking about the subdivision of the area into Dino and Heights because on the plaza side of the area, you've got mixed bag up to 650, 700,000. On the western side of Alexander Drive, you've got properties, if you took away the other sides, you'd have an average value of $800,000 for the land and property in there. So it's actually probably an interesting thing about the average price. It's more like what pocket and what do I spend in that pocket? So you can actually go into each of the pockets and invest well. If you could get into the Golden Triangle area, for example, like we're talking on the western side close to the golf course, a vacant block, building a single home on there that would end up selling for about 1.2 million would be a great investment. So if you can get in there low enough and say 600,000 and build something that's quite substantial that suits the area. If you go to the plaza, behind the plaza, and you build anything from two bedroom, and we've even had a one bedroom place go close to the main roads and shopping centers for a very good price. you know, So we had two, three bedrooms and a one bedroom in between. So it could be mixed between ones, twos, threes. So they're all good, but it all depends on what you pay for the land. So if you're paying for a block in those areas, you have to pay the right price. And the right price is whatever the sale price is on the average in the area for that product. You have to make sure the numbers calculate.
0: Mark, thanks a lot for your time. I hope to have you in for an update in the future. Pleasure, Trent. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show.